Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, in the New York Times Sunday Magazine a month ago, there was an article about a campaign in Boston to persuade teenagers to break up with their girlfriend or boyfriend in person rather than on Facebook. In case you don't know what Facebook is, some of you are learning, it's an internet website where you put little messages, kind of like a diary, about yourself, and all your friends can see it at the same time, and their friends can sort of see it too in certain instances. That's why it's called social networking. Facebook has a little place where you can check your relationship status. In other words, you can tell the whole world that you are single, in a relationship, engaged, married. Here's my favorite one. It's complicated. (laughs) In an open relationship, widowed, separated, divorced, in a civil union, in a domestic partnership. It's easy to update your relationship status. You just click and suddenly you're single again. It's also easy to write a message that says, I'm breaking up with Jeremy because we don't have very much in common, and to post that message to the whole world before you've talked to Jeremy. And that is what teenagers, some teenagers have been doing, and that's what this campaign uh, was about, uh, teaching them to face it, don't Facebook it. In the gospel today, Jesus gives guidelines for breaking up that don't allow you to publicly humiliate someone and that require face-to-face interaction. It sounds surprisingly harsh the first time you read it to imagine a congregation throwing someone out. And I've known indignant people who've said a church can never throw out anyone under any circumstances. But the fact is that even in an orderly and kind congregation like Dove of Peace, people are drummed out of churches all the time, made to feel unwelcome, discriminated against, ignored, without any frank discussion without any face-to-face interaction. I think the key thing that Jesus wants is for the discussion to happen, because it's just as likely that the community itself may be challenged to repent as any given individual whom supposedly the church is reprimanding. But normally, because those conversations never happen, Congregations go merrily ahead with wrong information or a bad attitude or simply unchristian practices while the individual is silently thrown under the bus, so to speak. 
a Facebook breakup. But community and civil behavior and personal character and public welfare are endangered in our culture right now. We know, those of us who are members here, we know our congregation has slowly lost membership and attendance over the last three decades. What we sometimes fail to say is that all Christian groups are in decline, with maybe a couple of exceptions, and that all voluntary societies in America are in decline. The Freemasons, the local VFW, the Shriners, the Junior League, or since this is Labor Day weekend, the labor unions. Labor Day was established as a day off for tradesmen and what we call today blue-collar workers. It involved parades downtown and picnics in the city park for workers. It was a celebration of workers who are celebrated in virtually every other country in the world on May 1st. May 1st, which is a day heavily linked to communism. And so America put our Labor Day in the fall so that there would be no confusing us with Marxism. But nevertheless, the concept of the day, Labor Day, is devoted to workers and to unions. Unions which are associations of people who come together and organize. Except Labor Day, you wouldn't know any of that, would you? Because the corrosive tide of consumerism eventually alters almost every good impulse in our society. So what are we going to be doing tomorrow, Labor Day? Labor Day is a shopping day or the last chance to have summer fun and certainly a big day to overeat. This corrosive tide of consumerism changes everything. In a few places in America, you can still go downtown. You know downtown, a place with sidewalks and parking meters and where everyone walks down the street with everyone else. The old-fashioned downtown, just like the marketplace in Jesus' day, just like the well in Jesus' day, was a public place. Tucson has a little bit of downtown left. When you go downtown, you're in public. You're with people who are not your Facebook friends. Homeless people. People who are going to court. Street corner preachers. People in wheelchairs. Gang members. People with incredible tattoos covering acres of their bodies. You name it. But in the corrosive tide of consumerism, most of our downtowns have been replaced with shopping malls and big box stores. Mall security does not allow panhandlers or punky looking teenagers or preaching. Most of us these days never set foot in a public place unless we go downtown to pay a traffic ticket or unless we have to go to the airport. Tucson, pray, thankfully, has a large university with sporting events and lectures and concerts. So the average Tucsonan 
may have a few extra opportunities to be in a public place, but much of what was open to all in a free society is now private property subject to private ownership. And on Facebook, while you're updating your life and taking little quizzes and being friends with this person and friends with that person and all those cute little things, on the right side of the screen are the advertisements. And everything that you do, every relationship that you form is being observed so as to sell you more stuff. The corrosive tide of consumerism. It's going to be very hard for America to tackle our obesity problem. And it's going to be very hard for America to take care of the environment because our culture is primarily oriented toward turning us into shoppers and eaters, and eaters and shoppers. Mega churches are congregations that you may know that have adopted the consumer model. They don't have pews, they have cinema seats, and you go in and you watch a performance. I got to say, I got the inspiration for this from my Aunt Wanda and uh, Uncle Stanley, who posted on their Facebook page that they went to a, they went to a church that seemed like a, a performance. And maybe you applaud as you watch that performance, and then you leave. And then you go out into the, the parking lot that has Section A and Section B. It's the same model of manufactured entertainment that powers Las Vegas and America's amusement parks. But the average congregation is still a non-commercialized, voluntary, free association, public place that still requires us to interact with people whom we do not know and whom we may never like. People who are marginalized and institutionalized and otherwise hidden and persuading people to regularly participate in something like the local congregation is difficult. And that's why so many congregations are shrinking or perishing. It is difficult, but it is a purposeful kind of difficult. And precisely because our society is so commercialized and privatized and consumerized, and designed to satiate all personal impulses precisely because our society is what it is. That is the precise reason that God needs us to keep on being who we are and doing what we do. Let me tell you a tiny story. It's a scary story. It's not that scary, but it's scary. Around the 4th of July the last couple of years, I've been told or I've overheard some people saying that they'd like to sing patriotic songs in worship. There are some good reasons why the answer to that is not a simple answer. But the scary part of the story is what two or three of those people have also said. They say, this is the only place where we can sing those songs. 
That is just scary. There is no longer any place in America, in the United States of America, where people can sing, My Country, Tis of Thee, or America the Beautiful. Maybe you go to a baseball game and some professional comes out and sings uh, the Star Spangled Banner. And if you sing along with them, you're probably the only person. It's probably because you learned to sing in church. So these people want to sing those patriotic songs in church. Now set aside the question of whether such songs belong in worship and focus on the fact that nobody in America knows how to sing anymore, except in church. Singing is an inherently social act. You can't sing alone, or well, I guess you can, but you'll sound much better in a group. And the group can do things like sing in harmony that an individual cannot do. Americans, like all people, used to sing in a social context, not just in church. The privatized version of singing, that corrosive tide of consumerism, has turned singing into this thing where I wear earphones and try to sing along with Beyonce and the Beatles. And it's not a very beautiful thing. I usually sound really terrible. I throw my hands up in the air sometime, singing, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't even hear, I sound terrible, but I can't even hear myself because I've got Beyonce blaring in my, in my ears. It's a metaphor for everything that's wrong with our society. Our society cannot sing and the church can sing. And that's more, it's about more than just music. It's about the kind of people that God created us to be and the kind of people that Christ is shaping when he builds his church. Our New Testament lessons today remind us that it is a struggle to be in community. It is much easier to just break up on Facebook than to deal with real people, face-to-face, in real life. But this is a large aspect of what it means to be human, and above all, this is a large aspect of what it means to be a disciple and to be the body of Christ. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Amen.